VM. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Of course, markets are closed today in observance of the Good Friday holiday. But having said that, the program shall continue. And we're going to take a real in-depth look, especially when it comes to weather. And I'm learning things about what's going on globally that hasn't really been talked a lot about in the markets, but definitely will continue, I think, to ramp up some expectations as we continue into the planting season and as we watch what's happening globally with the weather. We're going to take a look at it from a grain perspective, obviously a livestock perspective as well on the trade. And looking at the popularity that's seen in oil seats. Well, Darren Fry joins us today. He is with Water Street Solutions. And first off, Darren, I'm wishing you and your family a a blessed Easter weekend. I know a great time for for folks to get together. And I'm sure there'll be some weather talk, no matter where ag producers and those in the industry meet. Yeah, that's for sure. And and happy Easter to you and all the listeners. Uh, One of my favorite holiday weekends is, is upon us. So... Looking forward to it. Let's talk weather. There's a lot of concerns out there, uh, dryness-wise, as we look at, you know, the Midwest, the South. Um, unfortunately, right now, lots of snow being hit in North Dakota. But as one guy up there said, hey, it's moisture, I'll deal with it. Um, what are your thoughts on how weather is going to be a, a big market player this spring planting? Yeah, it really is. And and I look at the weather, uh, I'm breaking it down into three different components. One is what's going on in South America. And really the only crop that matters right now is that safrina crop. And we do see the monsoonal flow is weakening. It started weakening a month early. And we've seen less and less rain. Normally they need rain through the early part of May, let's say May 1st or the first week of May as that uh, crop comes into pollination. And that is waning. So that is a concern. We could lose five, even 10 million metric tons of that crop pretty easy with drought conditions down there if they don't get a change to that pattern. And right now it looks like it's waning. The monsoon is drying up and therefore it's going to have the dry season start a month early. In addition to that, that's the, the first thing I look at. The second thing is North American weather or Northern hemisphere weather, I should say. In North America, we have the ongoing drought out west, and that is plaguing the Kansas City wheat, uh, the hard red winter wheat crop. But also, um, it's forcing livestock guys that have cow-calf operations, there's no feed, and they're having to put these cattle in the feed yard early, and that's problematic. But then we have the weather up north that's very cold and wet, along with that delaying maybe some of the early start to spring. And then we're just too wet, too cold in the east to start. So I don't want to say we're late planting yet, but we certainly aren't going to be early. And right now the weather bears watching because we have issues. The third component is overseas in the area of northern Africa, Middle East. They're under drought conditions. That's a big deal for wheat because we saw Egypt pay an unheard price yesterday for wheat out of France, out of Europe. And I think the drought concerns over there are going to continue to increase the need for countries like Egypt to secure wheat. So let's break it down commodity-wise and look first at this wheat. Um, here in the U.S. side of it, a lot of concerns, especially when you look at the Oklahoma area and part of Kansas that have got uh, crops that just are not coming out of dormancy because they didn't get the moisture they needed. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, talking to wheat producers out there, I mean, it is a problem. I mean, we saw wheat conditions jump up last week or this previous Monday. And I think that was mainly because conditions improving, you know, like in Michigan, Oregon, parts of Oklahoma. But largely, this hard red winter wheat crop is still in deterioration. And I don't expect uh, there to be many good yields, especially if you go to the, you know, western two-thirds of a Kansas, Oklahoma, or even out western Nebraska. The drought is just locked in, and we are going to see a potential rain event here in week two, but I think it's an event, not a pattern change. And so this just spells trouble not only for the wheat producer, but also for the livestock producer in that area. Looking at you, and you talked a little bit about what's happening in the Middle East, and obviously their reliance on on this feedstuff for wheat add to it, the war that continues with Russia and Ukraine. It just adds a whole layer of pressure for this wheat complex. It really does. I mean, we had a bullish story before the war started on February 23rd, but the war has added just a, a lot of additional challenges, and obviously it's not over in a day or a week or a month. It continues to move forward. And with our government supplying another $800 million to Ukraine to fight this war, I don't see that making it in sooner. It's going to drag on even longer. And this really spells trouble for importing nations like Egypt that, you know, here earlier in the week, we saw them pay 490 a ton for wheat, which is 150 more dollars a ton than they paid in February. And so this is over $13 a bushel for wheat. It's just unheard of. And there's going to be more demand to follow. So eventually, I think our wheat market plays into it. But right now, we're not getting some of that business. But I think eventually we might as we get deeper into the summer. Well, having said that, both the president and the secretary of agriculture have said American farmers will step up and they'll help fill that void. But we've got some own troubles, as we just talked about in our backyard. Can we do that? Can we be able to step up and help out from an export perspective? Well, I do think we have adequate supplies. Obviously, our stocks to use ratios aren't super, super tight. But uh, they're going to get tighter with a poor crop out west and uh, more demand coming possibly to fill that void. But I do think we have some supplies available for that. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we continue with the second half of this Good Friday Fontenelle final bell. We'll take a look a little bit more about what's happening with our crops here when it comes to spring planting, where we're sitting. And don't forget this oilseed popularity that's out there as well, plus a focus of what's going to happen on the livestock front. Lots to take a look at on this Friday. It's the Fontenelle final bell on the Rural Radio Network. At Fontenelle Hybrids, people and products make the difference. Here's Fontenelle dealer Brandon Novak from St. Paul, Nebraska. Fontenelle offers a strong product lineup through their soybeans and through their corn. Working with the people of Fontenelle have made things a lot easier just because I have a sense of security and knowing that the products that I choose will be the right products for my farm with the help of our knowledgeable agronomists and FSRs. For more, contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide labels. RBM. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Again, markets are closed today, as you've heard us talk about all day in observance of the Good Friday holiday. Having said that, we're going to continue to have a conversation with Darren Fry with Water Street Solutions as we look at some interesting happenings within the market trade. So I wanted to look, um, before we jump to oil seeds, I wanted to talk about Brazil's um, second crop, this Safrina corn crop. How is it going 
And is there some struggles? You know, there really is, Susan. Um, normally, that that crop is going to get planted on time and have adequate moisture, and that all happened. And, you know, like last year, unlike last year where it got in later and later and later because the beans came off later with all the wet weather and then it dried out, this is a different situation. It got planted on time. Things are in real good shape. You know, the USDA on the last report um, actually increased the yield for um, Brazilian corn crop. But they're looking backwards at the conditions up through, but not exceeding April 1st. And those conditions were good. But since then, we've seen a real tail off to the moisture that's been in this monsoonal flow through the month of April. And as I look forward, I don't see that changing. I see it being less and less and less, which means it's drying up early, a month early. And their crop normally pollinates, um, you know, from April 20th to May 10th. Then it tries to survive and fill grain on very little or no rain. But you got to get it through pollination. We're not going to get that crop through pollination this year. So I think that spells a decline in their crop size. As spring planting uh, continues here in the U.S., how much weight do you put on the weekly crop progress reports that come out Monday afternoon? Well, they're, I mean, they're an indication of, A, what, you know, when we start getting condition reports like on wheat and even corn and beans when that finally starts, those are indications. But obviously the crop uh, progress as far as the planting progress, uh, I put a lot of stake in that. You know, farmers send in their information and there's a, a polling that gets taken place. And you know, I think it's fairly accurate. And I, I do think that we need to get this crop in timely. And people will be watching those numbers closely, and the markets will take its cues off that as it will be really sensitive to whether we slow up this progress or speed it up. I think if we speed it up, it halts all rallies. I think if we slow it down, it, it increases our, our rally attempts here in corn and soybeans. I think this coming week uh, on Monday, they're going to have the first outlook of soybeans. So that will be interesting to see what the numbers are coming out of the south. That's right. I mean... They've had some challenges down there, but overall, I think things are going fairly good as I talk to producers. But um, it's really going to take shape when we start working in the heart of the corn belt here. So we were talking dryness that's happening in the west. I want to know, are you in the east, is it as wet in some areas as we're hearing? It is. <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> yeah, yesterday, yesterday and, and the day before, uh, you know, the rains pretty much stopped yesterday. But, man, on Wednesday... We just got pummeled uh, here in central Illinois with the rain. There was standing water everywhere. It's just been so cold. You know, if we do get a warm-up, it's a day or two and back down to frigid temperatures. And so you just don't get much drying out when it's cold, you know. And so, you know, in the cooling part, that evaporation process, you know, wicks moisture up to the surface. And so um, we need some dry weather and we need it to warm up. And those two usually go together. And uh, hopefully we get that at the end of the month here. But what I'm seeing in the forecast is as it warms up, we have better chances for even more moisture. So time will tell, but uh, we're not getting an early start in the east, that's for sure. A lot of popularity as well, Darren, when it comes to the oil seeds. Let's talk what you're seeing in prices there. Well, you know, it it starts out in Europe. You know, we had the canola issue up in Canada a year ago. We got rapeseed concerns right now. There's going to be regional shortages and we saw this week, um, you know, rapeseed, rapeseed oil hit 
um, all-time highs, $109.09 a pound in Europe. And that makes our soybean oil look pretty cheap under 80 cents. But this oil-led market, and it's been oil-led up until, you know, maybe a four-month period here when we saw Neil finally lead. But this has been an oil-led rally really since August of 2020. And it's a small part of the bean. When you crush the bean, you get, you know, 81% meal and 18% oil and 1% disappears. But if you take a look at that, it's impressive how oil has led and it's leading again. And it just speaks to the, the nature of how tight the veg oil market from all classes around the world really is. And I don't think that's going to be eased uh, quickly. We're going to have to get through the northern hemisphere crop and have a good crop. And then we're going to have to see expansion in South America before we see some of these markets uh, simmer down a little bit. And especially uh, as it pertains to the oil market. Lots of wonderful things we talked about today. Darren, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? You know, they can always um, look me up on Ag Twitter. I'm at Fry, F-R-Y-E underscore W-S-S. Or they can give us a call on our toll-free number at 866-249-2528. Well, that has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As always, a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss that aren't suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.